Calvary Cast listeners. We are back again. Episode 106 this week. Three episodes, three weeks in a row. We are really cruising now. We are cruising along. When we have series Mm -hmm. like this, it's much easier for us to do. It is, yep. I am Graham, you are Jess, and that is that. That is that. And that is that. We're Captain drinking, Obvious. We're drinking coffee today. We are. You made us some good, good fresh coffee. We have coffee kit in the office now, so people can stop by and we'll brew you a cup of coffee. Well, you will brew it for them. I don't know how I to do brew. it. I will brew. You laughed at me because of my little setup out there. However, I do have a Keurig machine in my office, so Which is anybody not wants a coffee, coffee maker. <laughs> it isn't really. It's so not very good. But if it's you want that, you can go have that, <laughs> yeah. or you can let me spend 10, 15 minutes, and I'll make a, a really much good cup, cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah, much better cup. Which you didn't even put creamer in, I don't think, did you? Oh, did you? Okay. Uh, just a smidge, like just like the tiniest little bit for the sugar. This I is my is goal, then, to get you off the creamer. Right. It will help you. Yeah. Do not be enslaved by anything. What about just a, a little sugar? Just a little Why? bit. Why? I don't know. I just like a little See, bit there's of a, a, there's a little bit of sweetness to this. Yeah, your coffee has a sweetness to it. It does. Yeah. Now, Even this natural. is, I think, a little bit. So I had this yesterday at home. Mm-hmm. I brewed it with the V60, and it wasn't as sweet as this. Hmm. So the this clean French press version I'm doing gives a little bit more sweetness, but it's missing some of maybe the the clarity or the fruitiness that I had in my V60. Okay. So. Take your word for it. I take my word for it. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm an expert. Not really. All right. Let's, uh, it's a new month and we mm-hmm. have a new book to talk about. Book of the month, which is what book? Do you know? I don't remember. <laughs> this I was has happened actually it. a couple times. <laughs> Well, I don't have. I a was copy looking for here. it on the thing. It's New- oh, John New- Newton's Newton yes. on the Christian Life. Newton which on the Christian. We life. have sold out. Yep. Week one. Thank you for funding our coffee fund with mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. with those book sales. Yeah. Uh, but more are on, are on order. Yeah. I and, think it. I think it's a. I think it's a good book, and um, it introduces you to a, an important person in church history that, you know, you sing his song all the time. Amazing Grace. That's what he's most well known for. Uh, you know, former uh, captain of a slave ship um, is saved mm-hmm. in his early 20s and transformed, becomes a pastor and um, pastor, preacher, songwriter. Yeah. Is the book, because uh, I've not read it, mm-hmm. is it more of a biography? No, it is more of taking his taking his letter and it's on the Christian the okay. the series you know the series of series, books that yep. Crossway did with that yep. um, where they take Martin Lloyd-Jones as an example or John Newton or somebody else yep. and they gather his writings or his speaking okay. and all that and then they put it under headings and chapters yeah, yeah, yeah. and this one is on the Christian life okay so it'll talk about things like you know, the sin in the Christian life. So you're what largely John reading knew- what he wrote on that. Yeah, so with some comment from sure. the author. Um, I think it's Tony Reinke. To- Tony Reinke, right. So, you know, it's good, but that's a good series in general. And, you know, for most of what, I mean, Crossways puts out really mm-hmm. good stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So if you read something like that and you like it, mm-hmm. that could just get drive you to Crossways' website and they yep. have all their books on there. and. Yep. Um, you could maybe find something else like that, mm-hmm. but that's why we chose this one. It just yeah. gives a good introduction. It's not a biography, mm-hmm. but you'll learn a lot about Newton. And I think they have a, if I remember right, 
there is kind of a biographical sketch yeah. in the beginning for for him and that. So uh, yeah, so it's going to be a helpful introduction to historic Christian leaders and thinkers and thinkers, theologians yeah. and yeah. such, where you may not go pick up a you know the works of John Newton or right. something like that. This will get you. Started. And it, it is not hard to read at all. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very easy to read and help help through, and and it'll be. Um, I think cool. it'll. I hope. I'm sure. I mean, I pitched it Sunday because I really you pitched it Sunday, and everybody bought the I copies. Know, of the I, then, if they get it home and they're disappointed, I don't know. Mm. But um, you could be a book salesman in your <laughs> other life. Yeah. Well, but if they, yeah. So hopefully, it'll be a blessing. I think it will. Yeah. All right, May book of the month, Newton on the Christian life. Let's get to the topic of the day. <laughs> topic of the day: election. So we have to win the election because the only way we're going to lose this election is if the election is rigged. This president's going to try to steal this election. So this is the most controversial podcast we're ever going to do. We're talking about election. Yeah. And was it stolen? Was it rigged? I don't know. We're going to pull out some evidence. The Kraken is finally going to be released yeah. on this episode. So everybody thought we were talking about something theological. We're talking about... We're talking about the political election. Right. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> what else would we talk about? Yeah. Not really. That Not was really. supposed to be really funny. I laughed. I had fun pulling that. Yeah. No, we're actually talking about unconditional election. Yeah, that's just as controversial. Maybe more. More so. In the circles we run in. In the circles we run in. That's right. So, And if everybody remembers, we are going through um, the five points, counterpoints, to the five points of the followers of Arminius mm-hmm. to the five points of the doctrines of grace. <laughs> That's what they are. Yeah. The uh, you know, some people call it Calvinism. We, yeah. we say the doctrines Doctrine. of grace. Because that's and, what they are. Yeah. And we started last time with, and that it well, spells out. two episodes ago. You got to go listen to episode 104, the introduction. Right. Last week's episode 105, Total Depravity. You right. I get that. You really should listen to those two before this one. But um, last week was on the first letter of the acronym TULIP. Mm-hmm. So that was Total Depravity. Mm-hmm. And then now we're at Unconditional Election. Now, let's talk about how these two connect because there is a connection. Yes. Right? And how these these are laid out. Uh, so total depravity leaves us in a place where we are unable mm-hmm. and unwilling to yeah. respond to the call of the gospel. Right. So that leads naturally to the question, well, who, who then can be saved? Yes. <laughs> right. If we're unable and unwilling. And that's where the doctrine of election comes yeah. in. We are in the state of depravity and right. fallenness, enslaved to sin, dead in sin, uh, hearts hardened towards God. Yeah. So we are unwilling and unable to respond to God. Now, one other thing that we should add, and we after we stopped recording last week, we said we should have made a note on total depravity, and it's mm-hmm. about the reality of judgment, yes. the necessity of judgment, right. and its rightness. Right. Right, the fact that, uh, you know, every, all who are consigned to sin, who do not, we are all under the wrath of God. God's judgment is just and right, for and any eternal judgment is just and right for sins against an infinitely holy God. Right, and so we we have to begin with not just man's condition of inability and unwillingness. You have to understand that man deserves eternal punishment. Right. That, and that's a really important 
point to catch. Like they deserve this. Yes. We deserve eternal punishment. And, you know, I, I sometimes will ask people if, do we, do you believe we deserve eternal punishment? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe that we're sinners. We deserve eternal punishment. Okay. Would God be just if he didn't save anybody? Mm-hmm. Like he chose to just judge everybody, condemn everybody. Would God still remain who he is and would he be just? If everybody deserves punishment, does anybody deserve grace or mercy? Yeah. And the answer, of course, to that is no. I mean, God, or it's yes that God is right. just and that he remains who he is. He's good and all that. But nobody deserves any shot, chance, right. opportunity. Uh, no one deserves heaven. No one deserves um, grace. That's the kind of the... That's the state we're in. Yeah, and gr- that's the nature of grace and mercy is that it's bestowed based upon the person bestowing its will to bestow it. Yep. But they are not under obligation. Yeah. So... I think when we start there, then when we go into this concept of election, then it's much easier for us yeah. to understand. Uh, when I was home earlier, I told Jenna we were podcasting on election. And Nora goes, what's election? And the very simple answer is, it's how God saves people. That's right. <laughs> right? It's how God saves people. So um, let's start there, just talking a little bit about the argument mm-hmm. that that is around election, the, the disagreements to a degree. Um, and of course, election very simply means to select or choose out, mm-hmm. right? I think in the Old Testament, I didn't do a word study on this, but wouldn't you say that the primary word for election in the Old Testament is choose, right? Mm-hmm. God chooses people, and he does that in the New Testament too, although we see the word election more there. Uh, the Arminian position, right, because that's where we're going historically, their statement was that God decreed to save all who believe and persevere in faith, all others are left in sin and damnation. Mm-hmm. What is that statement saying about election? Well, what it was implying, and the reason the reformers had a problem with it, is it was implying, and actually eventually clarified what what's meant by it, is that God willed to choose or elect those who would will to choose him. So in other words, he looked down the channels of time, saw who would choose him and say yes to him and believe, and he chooses them in Christ. Right. That's what they were teaching. It's double election. Elect those who elect to be saved. That's right, basically. I mean, that's it, right? He's looking down the channels of time to see who would choose him, and then he says, okay, I'll choose Graham. Graham was going to choose me. I mean, he was almost totally to pray, but not quite. (laughs) And he's got just enough goodness in him yes. and non-rebellious heart in him to, when he hears the gospel, he's going to believe. prevenient grace, as yeah. we talked last yeah. time, to believe. Right. And so I'll choose him based on that. Right. He's going to make that good decision, and he's going to choose my son. And so God bases it on that. Yeah. So the issue at play, and this is one guy that I was reading earlier, the issue between the Arminians— and the followers of Calvin and the canons of Dort and stuff when they're putting these things out is does, did God elect because people would believe or did he elect in order that they would believe? Right? Would that be a a good way to summarize it? Right. Uh, So then we've got some 
so we, we kind of touch on the Armenian view, and it's really conditional election versus unconditional election. You talked about God looking down through the channels of time and choosing. Sometimes people call that election by foreknowledge, mm-hmm. right? Would that be mm-hmm. a good way to, to phrase that? But God chose based on who would choose him. But that's a, it is an okay way to put it because that's what they're saying, but the the word foreknowledge is a New Testament word, and they're not using it in the way the New Testament author exactly. would intend. Yeah, so we, should, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, some of the other... Views on conditional election, which was the point put forward by the Armenians, would be that God did not elect individually, but he elected more corporately, right? Mm-hmm. So just as he chose the nation of Israel corporately, mm-hmm. so he chooses the church, right? It's much right. general, much more general than that. Of course, I don't think the New Testament teaches that. You do see corporate choosing in the right. sense of the nation of Israel, right. but that does not exclude individuals. Yeah, and that's what Romans 9 is all about. Exactly, that's what yeah. Romans 9 is all about. The other one, and this to me really doesn't make sense, and it's so easily refuted, but they say that the the elect is Christ, like God, mm-hmm. uh, in Ephesians 1, I think is what they kind of refer to here. Uh, he, he chose us in him, mm-hmm. but they missed the chose us. Right. In him, in right. him, right? Yeah. They just they in him is what they see. God chose in him, right? And saying Christ is the elect one, therefore all who believe in Christ are united to him by faith, and then they're elect. Right? It just doesn't work. Right. So those are kind of the uh, the I don't know some of the more popular views, and some of those I I think are well-intentioned and what it is is some people come to faith in christ and we only all we know when we come to faith in christ is i'm a sinner i was told i was a sinner and jesus is the savior of the world he died for my sins and we believe yep so from our experience that's what we know yes and so it makes sense that we'd be like oh yeah you know it's like you know i believed God didn't believe for me. No yep. one else believed, you know, things like that. But what the what the New Testament does specifically is that it zooms out and zooms back and says, let me show you why you believed. Mm. Because uh, if you if you read through the Bible and you very quickly find that, you know, Jesus says, no one can come to me yep. unless the Father draw me. Or um, you read Romans 3 like we did last week, no one seeks after God. And, and, you know, and just the recognition of our hardened hearts and mm-hmm. hatred of God. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, why did I believe and my brother didn't? Right. Or my parents don't? Or, you know, um, why can you have a household of two or three kids and one or two believe and the other doesn't or whatever? So the Bible shows you what was happening behind the scenes and in eternity past in places like Ephesians 1. Yeah. And it helps us understand this doctrine. So I can just read that. He says, Read Ephesians 1. Yeah, he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So now he's going to name these spiritual blessings. And the very first one he mentions is election. He says he's blessed you with this spiritual blessing, even as, verse 4, he chose us or elected us, is the word, elected us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And then the next word, this next very important word in verse 5 is um, connected to election. In love, he predestined us. 
for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Okay, so what we see is when God wants to talk about our salvation, oftentimes when we want to talk about our salvation, we begin, you know, telling our story and and then how, you know, we came to faith in Christ. And that's great. That's our testimony. But we need to understand that our salvation was anchored in the will of God, Mm -hmm. verse 5, from before the foundation of the world. It's the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose of God in choosing us. And the us here is, though some have tried to twist this a little bit, it's very clearly believers. Yeah. Okay, Paul plus everyone he's writing to. Okay, we were chosen before the foundation of the world for this purpose that we would be holy and blameless before him. And in love, he predestined us to be in his family. And so, um, and this was all to the praise verse of of his glorious grace. In other words, it was unconditional. It's all by grace Mm. because the term is unconditional election. What does that mean? It wasn't conditioned on anything. The Arminian was saying, your election was conditioned upon your choosing God and right. saying yes to God. Right. And so it's conditional. It's a conditional election. Whereas the Bible teaches, no, this was an unconditional election all by God's sovereign grace. Mm-hmm. It was the merit of the person was not taken into account. Right. Okay. It was God choosing this person before the foundation of the world and then predestining them to be his sons yeah, through Jesus Christ. Hmm. And it is interesting how Ephesians 1, 2 works this out. We'd, I won't go too far into this, but first you have the Father. You have the the Trinity showing up in Ephesians 1. First you have the Father. What did he do? He chose us according to his will. Before the foundation of the world, he predestined us. And then we talk about verse 7. It gets into redemption through his blood, the his being Jesus. So, John in the Gospel of John talks about, or Jesus in the Gospel of John talks about, the ones the Father has given to me. Right. Okay, well, you see that very clearly here in Ephesians 1. Yes. So the Father chose some to save. He gives them to the Son. The Son redeems them by his blood. Yes. So that they can have the forgiveness of their sins. This, of course, all is according to the riches of his grace. So it's all just still this sovereign grace. And then he goes down into um, uh, verse 13. He says, him, In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So now you have the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And oftentimes people will put it this way, and they're right in doing it. Um, the, the Father chose and uh, those to be saved, gave them to the Son. The Son redeems them through his life and death and resurrection. And then the Spirit applies yeah. the work of Christ to God's elect. Yeah. So one of the things, and we'll see this throughout this series, right, that this salvation is a total salvation that's purchased for us. Right, everything is done. The other thing too, the election, like it's for specific purposes, right? It's right. for the purpose of adoption. It is for the purpose of redemption. It is for the purpose of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. And again, this is this is wonderfully comforting and assuring that when God has chosen to save sinners, He does it all. Yes, and that all of that again. What is the purpose? It's to the praise of His glorious grace, right. and even uh, verse three: "Blessed be, blessing belongs to God for what He has done right. in choosing to save sinners and right. how He has done it." 
Yep. And so, and that is too, like, this is very securing, okay? That, first of all, your salvation was anchored in the will of God, not your own. Yeah. A contra uh, Arminian teaching. Your salvation was is anchored in the sovereign, gracious will of God mm. from before the foundation world, which means that what could you possibly do or what could possibly happen to you in this life that would change that eternal mm. decree from before the foundation of the world, that yeah. choice of God yeah. and his will in that, right? Nothing. And the answer is nothing. And so Paul actually talks about that in Romans 8, and which is another important passage, right, when, yes. in reference to this, um, for a couple of reasons, and I'll, I'll bring those out. He says in verse 28, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, so that's the purpose for us of which all things are working together for good, right? Mm -hmm. But now in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now that that is a that's a tricky word for some people. The and they, they go awry with it. Yeah. And here's what they say. They say, oh, see, the Arminian was right that God looked down the channels of time mm -hmm. and he saw who would believe and who wouldn't. And then he chose those people. The problem with that is, is that word actually for foreknowledge does mean to know beforehand. And mm -hmm. it can, it can mean know something beforehand, mm -hmm. but the more uh, likely in the mind of the apostle Paul is what he would understand from, uh, from Jeremiah uh, places like that is Jeremiah is a Jew and in verse 5, the Lord said... What chapter? Uh, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Yeah. says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. In other words, this foreknowledge isn't something that God knows about the person. Yes. That they're going to choose Jesus. It's that he foreknows this person. Right. And so foreknowledge in Romans 8 is the same as in the election. mind of Paul is election. Yeah. These are synonymous in that sense. He foreknows because he willed it to happen. Right? He he willed and decreed right. this, this salvation, this election, hence he foreknows it. Yeah. And really if if God foreknows in the, and this is the I think the problem that you have to answer if you believe in this knowledge uh, foreknowledge election that God chooses based on who would choose him uh, then there are again things that are outside of God's control right right doesn't this create problems for his omniscience <laughs> or yeah. omnipotence and all right. of those things um, so yeah and it's it's it was a foreknowledge not an arbitrary thing Paul says in Ephesians 1 that it was in love he predestined yeah. you so this was mm -hmm. an eternal, love that God sets on you, a foreknowledge of knowing you yeah. and choosing you and predestining you for eternal good, to be conformed to the image of his son. And then he gives this unbreakable chain back in Romans 8 in verse 30. He said, those whom he predestined, 
Okay, remember what Paul said in Ephesians 1, the ones that were predestined are the ones he chose before the foundation of the world, or Romans 8, the ones he foreknew in mm-hmm. a knowledge of relationship. Yeah. Clearly what that word means. Yeah. Those he predestined, he also called. And this we'll get into to the effectual calling yep. eventually. But it's only those whom he predestined he called in this way. Hmm. And those whom he called in this way, those predestined ones, he also justified. And those ones whom he justified, he also glorified. So they end up conformed to the image of the glorious risen Christ one day. That's how this happens. A lot of theologians call verse 30 the unbreakable golden chain, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you can't break any part of this. You can't get out of it. And then that's why in Romans 8 verses 31 and on, he makes it very clear then if God's for us, who can be against us, no matter what happens, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, Yeah, his chosen ones? It is God who justifies. They're uncondemnable. Hmm. Uh, they're, they can't be separated from the love of Christ. Nothing in this world can do that. They're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so it, it, it is designed, you know, it's sad that this doctrine of election has become so divisive over yeah. the centuries because it is designed to be a blessing. Yes. I, I remember listening to a, a preacher I really uh, love, and he was talking about, he was starting out in Ephesians 1 with his people, and he talked about this being a blessing, these being the blessings. And he goes, is the fact that God chose you before the foundation world a blessing to you? Mm. Because I've heard Christians, sadly, Talk about election almost like they're, they're like, okay, I see that it teaches it, but I don't really like right. this. Yep. And it's sad because this is supposed to be the most assuring doctrine. This is supposed to be joy inspiring in you. And, and uh, God intends it for to be received as a blessing. And many Christians just talk about it like, they're ashamed of it or they don't really like it or I'll just kind of accept it or it doesn't matter if we believe this or not. Well, it does. Yes, it does. It you does know, matter. And if Paul Paul didn't hold to, it wasn't teaching uh, an unconditional election whereby God does all this work of salvation, it's this unbroken golden chain, he couldn't really respond then with his response in verse 31, right? Mm, yeah. He couldn't respond with, well, then what shall we say? What, what could separate us? And of right. course, nothing. Well, if if it's not if it's a conditional election to some degree, yeah. something could separate you then yeah. from the love of that's God. That's right, that's and that's right. not assuring. Right. The other thing I see about because you were talking for a moment about the personalness of this election and God's choosing individuals personally, placing His love upon them. Uh, a number of passages that people should go look at. One would be in John 10. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus talking about knowing his sheep, his sheep knowing him, mm-hmm. right? There's this, I have sheep of my own that are not yet of this fold. I must go and get them and bring them in, right? They're specific ones, right? That yep. that specificity is important. Um, and then I was even thinking about, I think it's in Galatians 2.20, um, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes. Right? That is uh, such an assuring doctrine to know that Jesus died for me specifically. Yeah, that's right. And that he chose me. Yeah, and a lot of this, and these these blend right in together if people haven't determined. That's why we started with total depravity, go to unconditional action, and then next week we're going to talk about the atonement. Yes. And um, the term is limited atonement. 
but there's better terms there's better that. terms than that. But it it's going to show the particularness yes of Christ's death for His people, which I think is wonderful as well. Yes. I mean, I I just so um anyway, if if people are struggling with this at all. You can read through again Ephesians one, the ones we're talking about, Romans eight, but also Romans nine yes. is a really key, really key section in this. Would be good for them to read, like you had mentioned John ten, but actually all of John, yeah. starting <laughs> verse one, it's <laughs> all throughout John. Yeah. John, John really, six is another key passage. Yeah, he really emphasizes this concept yes, of, does. you know, God gave to the Son, yeah, His people, you know, and that's throughout it. So. Uh, look at that and actually be praying that it would be a blessing to you. Mm-hmm. And if you've wrestled with it in the past, and I would I would encourage you not to just start with the objections. Yeah. But look at the passages. Look at the text. Yeah, because I, I when we talk to somebody, and we can bring some of these out, you can mm-hmm. say them if you want right now. If, the if objections? We want to go to, yeah. Well, do you want to say anything about Romans 9? Well, I think we can. I mean, yeah, I mean— we could say that I was just turning people to it, but yeah, I mean, this is a big one where, where, when we talk about the unconditional nature, I'll just read, Yes, you know, um, some of the very shocking things Paul says, actually, <laughs> as it is written, verse 13, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Listen, people have, people have asked these questions since Paul's day. Yes. He knows you're going to think immediately like, well, wait a minute. He loved Jacob, hated Esau. Right. Well, that seems unjust. And then he says, verse 14, by no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That's Exodus 34. Yep. And God's sovereign choice to show mercy to some and and not to others. So then, here's another key passage. John said something very similar to this in John 1, so that it depends not on human will, what what's it god's mercy compassion yeah. and grace and salvation yeah. it depends not on human will or exertion but on god who has mercy he's sovereign here that's why we're calling this sovereign grace mm. right um for the scripture says to pharaoh for this very purpose i have raised you up that i might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills mm. Right. So if you you people can read through this yeah. whole passage and oh, I should have read verse 11. Yes, I was going to say he's talking about uh, Jacob, and Esau. Jacob and Esau in the womb. Verse 11, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works but because of him who calls she was told the older will serve the younger and then it says as it is written jacob i loved esau i hated very key there right it's before they had done any good or evil it's unconditional but just to show god's purpose of election he did he did this you know it it ultimately election is all for the glory of god right right and and so where there's elements where we just step back and we say god is god and i am not and we may not fully be able to reconcile these things. We can't. Right. Uh, but we just take the scriptures for what they say. Yeah. And, we, and God is to be praised for it. Amen. Um, you mentioned some of the objections, and yes. you already kind of touched on them. But some of the objections people have to the doctrine of election, first one is it's unfair. Mm-hmm. Right. Why is it that some are chosen and some aren't? Mm-hmm. Things like that. 
And the very simple answer of that goes back to depravity. And we said already that nobody deserves salvation. Exactly. So I always say to people like that, I say, well, the cross wasn't fair. Yeah. If you want to talk about fairness in that way, was the cross fair? Yep. The just for the unjust? Yep. You know, um, so our perspective of fairness is skewed. Yes. And it betrays a lack of understanding of our just deserts Mm -hmm. as sinners that we deserve eternal punishment. Yeah. You know, and I think too, a lot of times when people struggle with the doctrine of election, it comes back to a low view of God, a low view of sin, a high view of man, a wrong view of justice and a wrong view of God's love. Right. That those things all play in. If I think when we see those things properly, then election, we don't struggle with it. Yeah. So that's one thing. Another objection, uh, oftentimes it's anti anti evangelism, right? What's the point of sharing the gospel if God has already chosen everyone, he knows who's going to be saved, and he's going to do it all, right? Mm-hmm. What's the point of of evangelizing? And we talked about this in the very first episode, too. Mm-hmm. And we well, we pointed out just the fact of the greatest, some of the greatest missionaries, if we use that term, or missions movements, were all, all believed these doctrines, mm-hmm. all believed in unconditional election. And unconditional election does not nullify the very commands God has given to share the gospel. Right. And that's the means by which he saves. That's right. So, it actually, I think it motivates and empowers yes. um, gospel proclamation because you recognize that yes. God works in and through the gospel by his spirit. And so the hardest of hearts can be yes. transformed and um, because it is God who yep. does this. So, And it takes the pressure off of me to that's manipulate right. That's right. or to bear the burden for people who didn't believe the gospel. Right. Right. If somebody doesn't believe the gospel, that's, it's not a burden I have to bear. Yeah, that's right. Uh, last objection, God's mean, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He created people to, in order to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we say to that? Well, I mean, um, again, this is where our perspective on what is just and right and what is good and, and not is skewed and we try to come in and become God's judges. Yeah. You know, we will admit that there, it is hard to reconcile to me. It's, it's hard to reconcile all the way from the beginning. If God knew who, you know, if God knew Adam and Eve were going to fall, right. We talked about this earlier. You and I did. Then why did he make Adam and Eve? If he knew the devil was going to fall, why did he allow him into the garden to tempt him? You know, we could, we can really drive ourselves nuts with some of these things. What we have to understand is that everything God has done is, does is right and good, that he does it for his glory. Yes. And we know that our sin and his grace glorifies him. And we, he, we look at Ephesians one that he wanted to be praised for his glorious grace. Mm. Ephesians 2, in the coming ages, he's going to display this grace in Christ Jesus. So uh, we don't have all of what God's mind is worked out in this. And there's always going to be things theologically you can't reconcile. Yep. But the, the Arminian has the same problem. Right. No, nobody in their line of theology does not have things that they're like, well, I just can't fully reconcile that. I just got to wait. And, and Martin Luther was the one who I think was the first one to say, let God be God. Yeah. Oh, let that, God be God. That's a good place to end this. Yeah. Let God be God. The doctrine of election is to be a blessing and comfort to us. And so hopefully this conversation has been helpful for people as they think more about what the scriptures say in this area and really come to a conviction that these things are of the Lord. They're good. 
yeah. and we can uh, we can rejoice in them. We love to hear from our listeners, so you can get in contact with us. If you're part of our church, just come up and talk to us. Uh, send us a text or give us a phone call. If you're outside the church, you can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our Instagram page, which is super active, and by that, not very active. But you can still follow us for some meme fun from time to time. We are at the Calvarycast on Instagram. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.